You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the book stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, James Nagel, and today my guest is Judy Macon. Judy is the general manager at SP Services, part of the DCC Group. SP is a one-stop shop for everything you need in an emergency, so medical kits and rescue equipment, and it's based in the English Midlands. Judy is my youngest guest on the podcast yet. She started on the DCC graduate scheme just 10 years ago and has risen quickly through the ranks to take on her first GM role at 32. When I asked her if she'd like to join me on the podcast, she didn't hesitate because taking on her current role, I hadn't heard people like me. So, welcome Judy. Thank you James, really excited to be here. So, maybe we start by telling people how we know each other. Yeah, of course. So we've been working together now, I guess it must be around 16, 17 months. Um, so I was about six or seven months into the SP services gig um, when the option of coaching came along with yourself, which was super helpful. Um, and for me, yeah, it's been a really um, kind of key part of formulating who I am as a leader, who I want to be as a leader and kind of what I need to focus on in SP to, to drive the business forward. You've had a fast career, that, that's for sure. How does it feel to be the, the poster child for the DCC graduate scheme? Yeah, I think it um it depends on the day. So sometimes it's um it's it's really exciting and I, I feel incredibly grateful for the experience that I've had um and also really proud of myself for how much I've been able to do um in a reasonably short amount of time. Um other days it just feels I guess deeply uncomfortable. So when you want to get on with it and just kind of, you know, drive the business forward and, and work on the things that, that matter, um, either for SP services or for DCC, sometimes the grad label can be a little bit of a, a hindrance to that because it brings a certain set of assumptions that probably aren't always true of my personality or my style and and it's not just grad it's i suppose the whole thing of high potential how how have your own coping mechanisms kept up with i suppose the high expectations people have of you it's taken time and they haven't always kept up with it so i think it's been a a kind of learning every time i've i've had one of the the sink moments i guess around not having the coping mechanisms to to deal with whatever's been happening it's taken a lot of kind of self-reflection and a lot of time outside of work, focusing on things that I can do to bring myself back down, thinking about nervous system, thinking about my responses to things. Um, and honestly, just keeping on going with it and focusing on how to get to the next step, either for me or for the business. And I suppose as I hear you talk, that's part of the, the coaching work is also to yeah, absolutely. Take, take, take you out of the, 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 the day-to-day pressures. So let's go to Telford when you walked into SP for the first time. Mm -hmm. What needed to be done? It was a very turbulent time when I first joined SP in that it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. So for a kind of, for any medical provider, um, our businesses were completely turned on the head in every way, um, both from, you know, where people were working and how people were working through to the product ranges and the customer base. So the real focus around what needed to be done was I suppose, in essence, just grabbing hold of the business to understand where it was at that stage and what we needed to focus on and where we needed to put the time to make sure that we were protecting underlying business, but also doing our best to serve the kind of new requirements around PPE. Um, So that was the kind of the immediate burning bridge. 
I think beyond that for SP services, and this would have kind of been clear as we went through the acquisition with the business a couple of years ago. So incredibly high potential business, lots of opportunity in different markets. And the real focus for us was around making sure that we had a strategy in place, making sure that we had the kind of the, the professionalism at a level that we could back that strategy up um, and also integrating into PLC standards. So unsurprisingly, a, a small kind of 30 person business has quite a bit of work to do to get to the DCC level in terms of compliance reporting, finance, etc. So you sort of mentioned that there was the short term, especially linked to COVID. Yeah. And you also had to manage, let's say, medium term and maybe even long term. How, how did you find that? Initially quite difficult. And the, for me, the most tricky part of it was that I, so I love firefighting. Um, and a lot of the way that I've managed to, I suppose, push myself through pretty quickly in my career is being I'm really good at firefighting um, and I'm good at projects and high pressure situations. Um, so COVID was great because it meant that there were like a ton of problems and the drawing board was kind of clear for everybody. So I was back at the same level as people that had been in the industry for 30 years because no one had a clue what was going to happen really. Um, so that was really exciting. The, the piece for me was then pulling myself out to think more about the longer term. So what is SP services after COVID and after the existing management had moved on? Because obviously that's a big part of the, the DNA of a business. F- again, for me, that was a lot of self-discipline around having time that I was allocating in my diary, having conversations kind of either with my direct boss or with peers um, and latterly definitely in coaching around thinking through that longer term picture rather than how do we get through this really tricky month and this really tricky year. I like the idea you bring about it being an equaliser, like COVID yeah. reset the rules so that suddenly 10 years of experience doesn't necessarily mean so much. So that's very interesting. So then the, the follow-up question which I'll ask to everybody is really so why were you the right person for the job yeah in hindsight and at the time if you'd asked me I think I probably would have almost burst into tears and said that I wasn't the right person for the job and run away um in hindsight so I I learn very quickly um and with the roles that I've had so far in DCC and the number of different things that I've done I've had to kind of hit the ground running like my career has been made up of jobs of two years that I've had to deliver results in so I don't have a, a lot of time to get up to scratch um, and learning about a new business that we've just acquired, especially in a kind of reasonably new market, which SP Services um, is. I kind of had that skill set going into it. I also really value people and I really, really value the work and the opinions that people kind of do and have in the business. Um, so I think there was an element where although I'm not necessarily kind of shiny and I wouldn't have fit into what I would have expected the mould of a general manager to be, I can work with the business and I can work with the different stakeholders to really understand what what's happening and what the things are that are tripping them up so that we can remove those and, yeah, and get the business to a better place. What was your stretch? The biggest piece was the GM title. Um, walking into the office, like, it was a really kind of the office is lovely in SP services and we have kind of like massive desk and kind of TVs on the wall and a sofa in the corner and I yeah, felt a little bit like I was a four-year-old kind of putting on my mum's shoes when I walked into the... Um. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to test your own readiness for the hot seat, then take the Leadership Readiness Scorecard. Details in the show notes and on swimnotsync.com. Yeah, so the... And I think learning how to not undermine myself in that position by constantly trying to say to people like I'm really not that scary um was yeah that'd be the, the biggest stretch for me a four-year-old in your mum's shoes that's <laughs> that's a that's a classic uh, yeah. so maybe just to go take a step back so DCC 
you know, it's a big company, FTSE 100, etc. But it's not that well known. So when I was in PNG, it was very clear it was the marketeers who were the future in terms of who were the ones who were going to become GMs and above. In in DCC, who who does well? From a head office perspective, it's it's a, an accountancy and acquisition driven business. So people with experience of either development or um, or accounts are the ones that will typically move into the more senior positions. But that's not exclusive. There are people there that, that kind of come from different backgrounds. And Donal, our current CEO, is um, from an IT background, so it can be it can be very mixed. In the individual businesses, um, it's very much people with that commercial flair. So probably more sales than marketing because we're more of a kind of sales driven business, especially healthcare. Um, Yeah. So it's people with that real kind of commercial edge. But anybody in a senior position, there's absolutely the expectation that you'll know the P&L, you'll understand the the, the levers, you'll, you'll know the detail of the business down to the kind of you know, for me in recent months, it's been the gas bills. Like, what are the what are the things that are really driving the number? Because it isn't just about the sales line. So, yeah, be kind of very... mix of commercial and data, I guess. Okay. Back to SP. Um, what did you want to achieve for yourself in the role? So that there were there were probably two elements. So the first, um, having been indoctrinated over ten years in DCC, was that I wanted to hit my number consistently, grow the business, continue to hit the numbers, and get a kind of shiny record there. Um, on a more personal level, I really wanted to see the culture change. So I wanted to see the business and the kind of the people within the business move to a place that we felt able to go to work, happy in work, supported by the business to do the best thing for the business um, and kind of have a a very, not an output driven culture in a way that is kind of, um, is very oppressive, but an output driven culture in the way that we are discussing what the right thing is for the business rather than what's happening in our personal lives, I guess. Um, So it was people culture, right? That's interesting, even though there was the essential of delivering the number, right? So... Any sink or swim moments that, that stand out for you? Yeah, and I've been reflecting on this as I prepared. I think the sink moments are all related to moments of really high pressure where I just didn't have the energy in my tank at the time or the experience to, to cope with it in a way that would have been the best for the business. So there are some times that I think I've definitely shown more cracks and made more hasty decisions than I would have liked to and then I would again in the same time um so as an example like towards the end of the pandemic um as the vaccinations were developed we worked with the NHS vaccination program on delivering a really large number of defibs and it was a really kind of um it was really rewarding project to be part of because we were one of the steps in making sure that a vaccination clinic was ready to start delivering the vaccines way back in December 2020 um but the pressure of that was was really significant so I think the the sink moments for me relate to times that I just did too much and I burned out. And I think in that probably impacted my team more than I would have liked to. So I, instead of making sure that I was there to stop them from getting to the same stage, I was just surviving each day. Um, so there were the sink moments. And then I think the swim moments are, it's hard to kind of pull them out as the moments I actually did the thing. Cause usually it's a, a kind of accumulation of, of work or an accumulation of time but there are there are some really valuable moments that I see in the business now where like we'll have somebody in sales who spots an opportunity to ask a really really good question that can lead us to another like 
kind of 10 to 20k order or we've got an opportunity with um kind of a customer that we're actually say no to because commercially it doesn't make sense for the business instead of doing everything for everyone all the time um so i think it's the cultural pieces for me that make me feel like i've really swum in the role i guess um and seeing the different behaviors that are now part of the day-to-day sp rather than just the ones that i'm talking about you say in the high pressure moments you felt you did too much and you're saying you, you nearly probably acted as stressed as maybe the team was how would you do it differently the next time I think I would take more space to relax. I'll just take more time for myself to think about what the right calls were. But I'd also spend more time investing in what the team were doing on the project and how they were, rather than delivering the project kind of at all costs, I suppose. And I think it's always circumstantial because, again, like if you if you're the business that's the last step in getting a site ready to vaccinate a group of 90 year olds against COVID, there's, there's always going to be that pressure to get it done. But I think it's, yeah, the next time we're in that place, I'd like the team to be more able to deliver it without me. So I need to be coaching them as we go through it. How is your understanding of what a GM does change over time? It's one or two years into the grad scheme. I think we all had the lovely perception that as a GM or an MD, you'd just be kind of, I say on the golf course, I don't, I wouldn't ever go to a golf course but that I'd kind of just be sitting there having quite a nice time and chatting a lot um, and I do do a lot of talking but yeah there's, there's a lot more substance to the role than I um, would have realised at that point and I, and I think the big transition for me and I think it's a really important step for first-time leaders is essentially the role of a GM is to just facilitate everyone else doing a great job and is to provide guidance and step in when needed and to make the kind of decisions on when it is that you need to do more or do less but it's always about delivering through the team and to take that from a kind of I've you know I, I've, I've always enjoyed teamwork and I've always been very collaborative but I, I am quite cutthroat in terms of my own I, I, I want to do the best that I can I want to keep pushing myself forward and it's no longer about me it's about the people that report into me and the people that report into them so that's yeah that's my biggest change in kind of how I how I perceive the role I think yeah that's a that's a great definition you've just given facilitate everyone else yeah so let's let's talk that the the, the culture and people side how did you try and shape the organisation? I guess the biggest area we were trying to remove, especially through COVID, was the kind of we'd have a very low tolerance for um, for problems or setbacks. So although the business is an emergency medic- medical business, so we are well used to kind of last minute and urgent requests and we're, we're really good at firefighting. But the kind of the mini dramas in the office on a day-to-day basis or the little glitches that don't quite go right. And I think it was a very open culture in terms of discussing everything that was wrong about kind of processes and people without then that kind of what are we going to do to fix it and how are we going to make it better? So um for me it was around kind of working with my direct reports and also anybody in the office that I kind of heard talking or any any time I, I got a, a sniff of the kind of the the more pessimistic approach to things and really just turning that around to say like what are we going to do how could it be better um and, and what do we do to get there um and it's a very difficult I think now two years on I've got a team around me who are well used to that and I've got a group of people who are well used to it so they'll say it themselves and it's almost self-regulating now in terms of how are we going to fix the issue and move forward for the for the customer. Um, at the time, it was very much me shouting into a vacuum and me shouting into a black hole, which is draining. Um, but yeah, obviously in the long run worthwhile. One great story I remember is the mannequin. 
yes. when when uh, when something was priced wrong. Do you want to tell us that one? Yeah, so we had um we had a very unfortunate incident with a, a website pricing update, um, and this must have been this is when we first started working together. I think so. We must have been yeah, that kind of seven eight months in, um, and it was the first big moment for me to stand behind my no blame culture. No, you know, a mistake made the first time isn't you can't just go shouting at people about it. We need to make sure that we that we fix it. Um, so we had a, a, a an item that was listed on the website and there was a mistake made in the pricing as it went up um, and a decimal place and a comma were, were confused and suddenly a £3,000 item was up on the website for £3. Um, and you'd be amazed how quickly the internet reacts to something like that. Um, and it was a really, um, it was a really great example. I was actually working at home on the day that it happened and I, I heard about it from, as, as you do in these kind of jobs, you hear about it from multiple people and it's a very different perspective but I was really struck by how many of the conversations that I had about it were with people that were really enjoying the fact that this person had made the mistake rather than were just looking at it as a kind of gosh aren't they human maybe we should be second checking the pricing before it goes up Um, so it was a really great opportunity to sit with the team and to talk through kind of a how do we stop it again but then b how do we support each other in times like this because everyone's going to make that mistake um the financial cost of the business in the end was very low we managed to recover kind of you know the relationships with the customers and anyone that thought they were buying the mannequin for three pounds probably understood that that was a mistake rather than a genuine offer so it wasn't too detrimental um but yeah that was a really it was again a good time to kind of stand behind what I said and not be the one who then walks into the office on Monday morning huffing and puffing and kind of victimising the person that had made the mistake in the first instance because that wouldn't have been productive for anyone. Um, yeah, and it, it comes down to accountability that you yeah. want the team to feel responsible and take responsibility without you having to say it. Yeah, absolutely. And as a group as well, where like if one, if, if one person... If one person is, is is kind of flailing a little bit, if one person's under too much pressure, I, I want them to help each other out rather than sit on the sidelines and 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 have any negative, especially conversations, but even really negative thoughts about it. Like it's a you know it, it's a team and there's a reason for that. On the culture point, you don't have the advantage or disadvantage of the grey hair. How how did you enjoy it? It definitely came down to a lot of naive optimism on how easy it would be to change. So I think that especially on the the cultural side, but even really just how, you know, what is involved in running a business, I I had no true understanding of that because I hadn't done it. So I think there was a little bit of like, I had so much energy going in to believe that I could change it really quickly. And by the time I realised that it was a much longer um, process around culture, I was already too far in to to change track and I was so committed to it from a kind of what I believed was right perspective. I think on the managing people with more experience and that it's it's a very mixed group at SP services in terms of length of service and I think that that helps because they're used to working kind of around um, people with less experience but I also and this is where the DCC piece did help because coming into a smaller business from a PLC parent company there is a certain level of um, assumption about your competence. There's a certain level of assumption about how much you'll be able to do. So even though I wasn't, I didn't kind of have my, my 25, 30 years behind me, I had the backing of people that did and people that had been really present through the acquisition process. So we've talked a lot about people. How have your recruitment criteria changed over time? What are you, what are you looking for in, in anyone you take on? The way that we'll 
drive SP forward, the way that we'll grow SP is by having more people on the for page than the against page. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a kind of attitude perspective, but more in terms of competence and skill sets. So every time I interview, um, especially now, what I'm really looking for is people that I believe are going to enhance the good parts of SP services, um, bring new ideas and bring external perspective that will help us to grow. Um, but we'll do that in a way that doesn't kind of take us any steps back in the areas that we've that we've managed to develop out of i'm also now very very cautious in interviewing to try and find people that i really believe are able to make the differences and make the changes and kind of take the steps to get their teams there um so i think i and this is a real imposter syndrome piece and a real kind of an an age piece as well probably is if i if I interview somebody who is a kind of very, very shiny and very polished and presents really well um, and knows lots of jargon and lo- knows lots of things, I can very easily go back into myself and become quite um, self-doubting rather than making a really a, a kind of shrewd assessment in the moment of whether or not they'd be able to to actually affect the changes that they're talking about in SP services. So for me, it's really important to come back to the kind of element of like how how do we take it from where we are now to those really big ideas? Because it's important to drive ourselves there, but the the, the steps are as important as the idea. Um, yeah, so try to keep myself honest with that rather than just getting scared of people and hiring them because I think they're great. <laughs> well, that's a very nice segue because you've brought up the word shiny and polished. Yes. Right. Now, in the intro, I talked about you hadn't heard from, you hadn't seen people like you. Mm. And there's a whole movement on this. See one to be one. What do you mean by that? You hadn't heard from people like you. When I first started at DCC, so back in 2011, and a lot of the conversations that we would have either in training or kind of as you go out into the businesses around like either leadership or commercial development or um, business and strategy were with a kind of set of people who were very, like polished is the right word and very able to, somehow intercept thoughts before they say them which isn't always my strong point um and kind of presenting a very consistent set of language and set of kind of um behaviors as they talk through them and it and that just wasn't me and at the time the the assumption in that was actually to get to be the managing director to get to be the ceo of dcc to get to be a um a managing director of one of the divisions i would need to somehow work out how to make myself into one of those people um and i think that's a belief that i probably held until doing the sp services job um and what i've seen in the last couple of years is that so much of what i've been able to do and so many of the achievements that we've had as a business and that we've had as a team have come from me just being myself and showing myself to be authentic so like the guys will know you know kind of when i'm under pressure and not to the point of me letting it spill out onto them most of the times but they'll know how I'm feeling they'll know that I'm not perfect and it means that in the moments that they're about to blow they're not so worried about coming to talk to me about it because they've seen that I I get there too so we talk about it and we we get back to a place that they're okay before it impacts the business or before it impacts the customer or before it impacts them because that's you know it can be a really difficult place to be at times um so I think like in agreeing to do the podcast and I think in 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 considering the leadership experiences that I've had around either readings or podcasts or kind of different training experiences haven't ever felt that they fully resonated. So there have been lots of things in there that did kind of really, really strike me as being useful, but I've always had to discount so much of it because I can't control myself in those ways because that just doesn't fit. So yeah, I think having more voices from 
diverse ranges of people and from people that have approached leadership differently is really important because ultimately leadership is about how you influence other people um and there's not a great deal there's always a lot more to it in a kind of work perspective but there's not a lot more to the 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 art of it than that i don't think that sounded pretty polished to me (laughs) i get where you're coming from and sitting in front in rooms where you the presenter isn't your tribe right yeah if i call it like that i respect them but that's not who i want to be yeah and that's that's fine we we've often had the debate about you know the future coo versus ceo where 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 do you stand on that? Yeah, I so I, I think I again like I know I bounced around a lot about in the last year. Um, when I'm scared of the pressure and when I'm scared of the the kind of the cost on a personal level, I always go COO because I know that I can. I know that I've got the the skill set and I know that I can I can graft and I can get things done. I think having taken a bit of time over the last couple of months to reflect on where SP is and where I am, and I, I do feel like I've kind of really come leaps and bounds in my self-confidence in the last six months especially like I I'm, I would be very much on the CEO square you know in terms of opportunities mm-hmm. I think it was said by by somebody we know uh, you know they come like London buses yes right you don't get the choose how how are you going to evaluate opportunities going forward that's a hard question because so far my approach to opportunities has been to say yes and to go and do them because I've I've kind of wanted I've, you know, I've been really lucky to be supported by by DCC Vital um, and to work really openly in terms of what I think the next steps are. And when they come along, they've been great at giving me those opportunities. I think now I'm at a point where it's an assessment around what it looks like from a quality of life angle, what it looks like from rounding me out in terms of my experience in leadership um, and also how much I'll enjoy it because I, I can be guilty of working really really hard to tick the next box without really taking that much time to reflect on how much i'm actually enjoying the day-to-day um so yeah i think those things will will come into it yeah isn't it funny that people strive they get the maybe general manager level and it's only then that enjoyment even becomes an option (laughs) to consider up to then it's it's getting to the level so Judy, often in general management you're forced to make decisions with less information uh, with less time and with bigger significance than than you're used to. How how do you deal with that fear of the unknown? I suppose now two years in to think about the experiences where I've been able to manage the unknown, I think at the at the time it's important to really value the team around you and the fact that very little, very few things will really be the end of the world. Like often you can you can navigate through almost anything that you need to. A moment that would kind of be relevant for for me at SP was around a um, kind of a really key member of the business who due to retirement was coming out over um, last summer and actually there what we saw is somebody who had been really pivotal for you know decades um, who understood so much about the business who was stepping away now that was terrifying because in terms of just not knowing what it was going to be like on that first day or not knowing what it would be like kind of when but actually there's so much the knowledge that sits in one person's head so I think yeah the big the big learning there is actually the unknowns will always be scary but within them there's the opportunity to really make some 
huge steps forward on the ambition that you've got for the business so be that again cultural or strategic you can take any moment where something's been kind of thrown in the air as a moment to resettle it in a way that is is kind of easier to move forward from or more um more productive to move forward from but yeah but it is a case of taking it one day at a time and i i I love a project plan and I love a list and I love a list of all the issues that I'm going to face and, and the the real challenge of the unknowns and on a grander scale of the whole role is just that you every day is an unknown, really. Um, and some of them are just a lot scarier than others, I guess. But, but also to remember that no one's indispensable. Yeah. Right? Look, that's been a, a rapid run through your career so far, Judy. A real pleasure and, and thanks for sharing uh, all, all your insights. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.